Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben Arnott, and I'd like to welcome you to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast, Australia's first barbecue podcast. This is episode eight of a series that I like to call Comp Ready, where I interview Australia's best pitmasters, builders, butchers, and suppliers to help you be comp ready. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, and share it around to spread the love. If you're into competition barbecue, you might be interested in my free ebook, 27 Lessons Learned from Competition Barbecue. I've drawn on my experience as both competitor and judge to offer you exclusive inside knowledge to help you make the most of your competition experience. Head to smokinghotconfessions.com slash comp dash ready to get your copy now. There's also a link in the description. Folks, joining me in the confessional today is Mr. Lucas Armstrong from Roland Smoke Barbecue, which hails from Sydney, New South Wales. Roland Smoke has been consistently at the top of the competition ladder throughout the season, and at the time of recording are preparing to make a run on second place at the upcoming Kangaroo Valley competition. They are known in the game as having the best ribs in the country. Except for Tony and Adam, of course. Check it out. This is the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with barbecue pitmaster Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? All right, good evening and welcome to the confessional, Lucas. The first thing I have to know is, what is the last thing that you barbecued? Chicken wings. Chicken wings. All righty. How did you do them? Were they buffalo? What were they like? Uh, those were actually just separated wingettes and whatever you call them. Just doing a little practice run for some chicken, trying some chicken wings. All righty. And do you do them with a, with a vortex or do you do them in, a, in an offset? Uh, those I just did in the drum because it was a it was a lazy day that day. Plus the smoke is still dirty from Creekside. Pretty much one of those things where it it, got, it come home after two weeks of smoking on pretty much nonstop, and it got parked and left. It hasn't been touched since. Ooh, ooh, ah, that's a bit naughty, isn't it? A bit of a cardinal sin leaving the smoker dirty for that long. No, no, it's clean. It is clean. It just hasn't been properly cleaned. Yes, you call it. Okay. All right. Another fair enough. Cooking in trays keeps everything clean. Ah, okay. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Fair point. Fair point. All right. So uh, why barbecue, mate? What what makes you uh, dedicate so much of your time, effort, and money to it? I don't know. I quite enjoy it. I think it's a bit of a challenge. Um, plus, it tastes great. We all love eating barbecue. We love cooking barbecue. Sleepless nights are a bit of a, a bit of a downfall, but other than that, the end results are always great. Most of the time, we should say. Most of the time, okay. Well, we'll 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 get to some of that a bit later on. But before that, when were you first introduced to real barbecue? Can you tell us that story? I can't remember. It was either two thousand and eight or two thousand and ten when the wife and myself went to the US. Um, just. Being the normal tourist people, Disneyland, we found a barbecue restaurant, which was just near Disneyland, and we sort of went there for dinner. Um, sort of all downhill from there, it was probably one of the most eye-opening experiences I've had. <laughs> Great food. Um, what else was it? It was just having nothing like that in Australia and having it there and trying it was just so awesome. Um being served a drink in a mason jar was probably the highlight of my trip. That's never happened to me before in my life until then. 
Um, and after that, I was sort of hooked pretty much. Yeah, it's um, quite a quite a similar story uh, to myself. Um, just the the sort of the, the the humble beginnings of it all. My my wife is actually American, and her mother comes from Arkansas, right down in the south. And uh, which is, yeah, yeah. When she came out to visit one day, uh, my wife had been telling her how much I liked to barbecue. And of course, it was the you know typical Australian four burner hooded gasser from the hardware store type thing. And uh, this this lady from Arkansas walked out and looked at it and went. Oh, honey, that's not barbecue. So what do you mean? And she said, I'll show you. And she made up some, uh, she called them pork spare ribs. We'd, we'd call them pork belly ribs here in Australia. And she actually just made up her own barbecue sauce and then cooked them in an oven in, inside the house. And I was like, what was that? How could I get more of that? <laughs> Ah, uh, so what was the highlight of your, what, sorry, what has been the highlight of your barbecue career so far? Uh, definitely Port Macquarie this year, definitely the biggest highlight. More so much the surprise around it. It was a bit of a, a rushed effort, I guess you'd call it. Sort of had no intention of going until two weeks before when Jay sort of coaxed me into it. Uh, went in there pretty much unprepared, using a lot of untested stuff, I guess you will we'll say, and did a pretty good job. Pulled off the first in ribs, which was a huge surprise. I had no idea. I thought I was just going to be usual middle of the pack type deal, you know, just, just to fill in. Uh, but, yeah, we pulled off the, the ribs and um, first place ribs and eighth place brisket, which was also a nice, supply, uh, nice surprise, uh, especially considering I did Port Macquarie literally all by myself except for a couple of the guys were helping me set up and tear down on the was it Sunday or the Monday? I don't remember. It was a pretty big night after uh, <laughs> after we got to, uh, that trophy on whatever day that was. <laughs> oh, we'll just call that trophy day. Trophy day is a good one. So Especially the day after trophy and, day was a bit rough. Uh, yeah, day after trophy day was very rough. Um, I don't remember going to bed that night, so it must have been a good night. <laughs> was uh, Port Macquarie that competition there? Was that your first competition? I don't think it was, was it? You've been doing this for a while. No, Port Macquarie would have been number four or five. First comp I did was actually the Canberra comp last at the end of last year. So when was that? December, I think they had it, which was good. Like first comp, rolled in, pulled out a first in chicken and a second in lamb, which was not a bad effort, really. Very nice for a first comp. Very nice. Yeah. It was downhill from there until Port Macquarie, though, so <laughs> yeah. we, we had work to do. Yeah, right, right. And, um, okay, so if Port Macquarie was the, high, was the highlight, what has been the, I guess, one of the lowest points for you? Oh, Bangalore this year. Um, sort of went in there. <laughs> I don't know, on a bit of a high, Port Macquarie, and then backed up at Brisbane Barbecue Battle with the Reserve Grand, went into Bangalore thinking everything, well, went in there, did exactly the same, nothing changed, and just tanked everything, everything. Best score was a 282 for pork, and pork's my worst turn-in category of all of them. Why is uh, that? Ribs, I, I, I don't know, I just can't cook pork. 
it doesn't interest me a lot. There's no, uh, it just doesn't interest me. It's one of those things I haven't put a lot of effort into to practicing it either, like some of the other uh, proteins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of the barbecues that I speak to seem to have a, uh, I guess I'd call it a nemesis cut. Um, for me, it's it's pork ribs. I can I can cook pork shoulders and it's just amazing. It's delicious. Lamb shoulder, same thing. Beef ribs, I do like a muffin top chicken. But those yeah. pork ribs, man, they just get me. I just I just cannot get them right. Pork ribs are probably one of the easiest things to cook. Besides lamb, which is pretty easy, um, pork ribs are probably second easiest thing to cook. Perhaps it's a bit difficult, but otherwise, that, yeah. But pork, I don't know why. I don't know what it is. I just... I'm, I'm not good at cooking pork for some reason. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So, what is it about uh, Roland Smokes Barbecue that makes it so unique? Uh, it's, it's not over. I wouldn't say it was unique. It's pretty consistently good, but uh, unique. I think I was um, slightly ahead of the times on one of the sources, which everyone's sort of catching up to me, which sort of made it a little bit unique. Um, that was a really good thing that I sort of got onto there. Um, plus I use, I use a lot of the seven sins rubs and sauces from the States, which pretty much no one else uses except maybe I know, a team in Melbourne uses, or oh, well has some, I don't know if they use it. And uh, there's a certain guy in Queensland, Daniel from country boys uses quite a lot of it as well. Uh, okay. Yep. That, that's been a pretty good, pretty good product for me in general. Awesome. Awesome. Um, yeah, I've, I've heard good things about the, uh, the Country Boys Barbecue. They seem to, uh, to sort of come into town and kick butt and then disappear out of town again. They, uh, they do quite well. Uh, they go right for a couple of Country Boys. <laughs> You're listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with barbecue pitmaster Ben Arnott. Okay, Lucas, we're into segment two of our of our interview now, and we're going to get into the meat of what I brought you here to talk about, if you'll pardon the pun. Um, I want to talk about consistency, and uh, I want to just run a few things by before we get into the questions. So I've been looking at your stats for the season, and the numbers, your numbers, are seriously, seriously impressive. Of the 18 competitions that have been held throughout the country this year, you've competed in just nine. Now, please don't take offense when I say just nine. Anyone who's competed knows that nine is a hell of a lot. But statistically speaking, it's only half. So that's why I'm saying only nine, statistically speaking. So before I ask my question, I want to run this past you. You competed in nine competitions and had 39 hand-ins. Of those 39, you had 19 in the top 10, 10 in the top five, five in the top three, two second places and two first places and I believe two reserve grand champions. And even though you haven't won a grand champion place this year, you're so consistently good at what you've been doing that there's a very good chance that you'll finish in the top three on the ladder for the season. And so that's what we're here to talk to you about today. That's consistency. So my first question is, who are the other two teams? Who is it that really gives you a run for your money and what do you admire most about them? It would, it would be three teams. Um, obviously, Suck Knuckle, he's just good at everything he touches somehow. I don't know how, but he just is. Uh, 
Oh, I don't know. I might have to go um, stalking one day, see what he does that everyone else isn't doing. But that, him, he's definitely – he's the man to beat, which is – it's a good gold. It's a good target, I guess you'd say, for us. Um, you know, it gives us a bit of motivation to definitely go out and try and beat the people ahead of us. Um, definitely second and third, Smoking Hot Bros and Double Barrel, both great teams. Both really good at what they do, both very consistent as well, which is the key, the consistency. We've all done oh, – them and myself have probably done a lot of comps this year and the consistency has probably been the key to being further up the ladder, I guess you would call it. Nicely said, nicely said. All right, so let's – I am going to try and beat them next weekend though. Oh, of course, of course. Go, hey, goes without or, saying. Or whenever this goes here. Kangaroo Valley. <laughs> This will probably uh, probably be, be published in about a month's time after after Kangaroo Valley. So let's hope, let's hope I beat them at Kangaroo Valley. Yeah, we'll have to do a follow up afterwards. We'll have to do a follow up interview. Yep. <laughs> All right. So, tank now. I've talked myself up. That's right. I'll, I'll I'll cut that bit out of the recording. <laughs> Good. <laughs> what I really want to do today is. Um, drill down into how Roland Smoke Barbecue is so consistent. Um, so first of all, I'd like to start with the team. Um, how long has the 2016 version of your team been cooking together? Uh, well, just me. So 2010. But I do have a couple of people that have helped me through the year. And well, Shane helped me late last year. They helped me Creekside just a few weeks back, which was good. Seems to be whenever he comes barbecues with me, we do well. <laughs> I don't know what lucky charm. He's like my little leprechaun or something. <laughs> um, Mark's, Mark Henry helped me a couple of times this year as well. Um, and definitely the wife, she's definitely gone bored a lot more recently, which is good. Um, she's uh, very helpful. I've got to say, the kids love it too. Kids always love it. Yes. Yeah, it's always good to have another set of hands just to help or even just run the boxes in, especially somewhere like Port where I was doing it by myself and it was four, I think I timed, I timed it was four minutes from where my cabin was to the turning table. Yeah, that's, um, that's, that's quite a trip. By the time you stand there, wait in line and then get back again, you've sort of left your tent and your pit area for quite a bit of time there if you're just on your own. Well, yeah, by the time you get up there, get back, you're sort of, straight into it but yeah lamb was that port macquarie was a close one it was close i think i had three minutes to get there and i had a four minute walk so it was hustle it was hustle hustle it was definitely some hustle going on <laughs> all right so on the on the times that you do cook with with other people do you um do you generalize or do you specialize your roles so is is everybody cross trained in all different aspects of the competition, or do you allocate uh, roles, meets, for example? Not so much. I I, I tend to do a lot of it myself. Uh, it's just the way I am. I like to be a bit of a control freak. I guess you would call it. I like to like to have all the responsibility on myself. So if something does go astray, then it's solely my problem. Uh, I mean that like. Everyone that I sort of do go to a comp with, if they come, they're all barbecuers. They they know the deal. They know what they've got to do. They know they, they know the ins and outs. They know everything. But yeah, otherwise, it's yeah, pretty much just runs itself at the moment. It's pretty good. Alrighty, awesome. And um, so, how often do you cook together with those people? Well, Shane lives in Albury, so that's a bit of a task. Um, 
Like so pretty much only. So not often. Only, <laughs> no, no. Well, I'm in Sydney. He's in Albury. So pretty much um, the only time I get to cook with him is if we do a comp together. Uh, Mark, not so much. Before we used to do a fair bit together. Not so much now. He's got a new business and everything. So he's pretty busy the whole time. Um, and the wife, she's always home. So she always gets to put up with the stink of smoke everywhere. Alrighty, so if you don't get much of a chance to cook with your team regularly, how often do you cook by yourself? Pretty much I, I try to do some sort of a practice run of something each week. So once a week I'll, I'll fire up either the offset or the drum and give something a, a trial run, a practice run. Even it's just cooking, cooking chicken wings for dinner, uh, there will always be something that I'm trying for a comp coming up. Okay, that's uh, that. That leads us nicely into the next uh, to the next area. So, um, when it comes to the food itself, do you like to use the same butcher and brand every time, or do you uh, mix it up? Uh, in previous, so well, at the start of the year, I was mixing it up a lot, trying to trying to find a good butcher, or find a good supplier, find someone that you know knew what I wanted. Cause, I don't know. Like every other barbecue, I'm pretty pedantic with what I get. Uh, I'm very set in my ways. I like to have my ribs cut a certain way. I want my chicken to be a certain way. You know, everything's got to be the way I want it. Otherwise, I'm, I won't be happy. Um, in saying that, I've not been happy with some stuff in the past, and that's done really well. So Brisbane was a prime example of that, where I turned in shiners and took home a win. Really? You turned in shiners yeah. and, and, and took home a win? Yeah. I don't know how, but it did happen. Wow. Wow. Okay. For those listeners out there who may not be familiar with the term, shiner is a term that's used when the meat off a pork rib has been cut so far down that you can see the white of the bone uh, sticking through the surface of the meat. Um, that's why they're called shiners, which you want a nice layer of meat across the top. So it's um, it's – quite the feat that you managed to to, uh, to hand in shiners and uh, bring home a nice gold statue. That's awesome. Yeah, that was a big novelty check, that one. So it was, it was pretty fun. But, um, yeah, in recent times, I've definitely narrowed it down to set suppliers to set things for me. So pork ribs, they all come from uh, pork, and pork ribs all come from real pork now. Uh, my chicken all comes from East Blacks on Butchers briskets or beef, I suppose we'll call it because we've got to generalise it slightly these days, um, all comes from Jack's Creek. And what else we've got? Lamb. It all comes from, Dan from Mimosa Valley Lamb. So I've got it pretty much set to now everyone, I've got everything set the way I want it, so I'll get everything I want now the way mm. I want it pretty much. A lot of barbecues that, that I talk to will have one particular uh, brand of brisket that they just swear by. Do you have a, a particular brand of brisket that you uh, always go for? Uh, definitely the Jack's Creek. Um, who was it? Wes from Bovine and Swine actually let me buy one for the Parramatta Comp last year when I couldn't get a brisket at all. And it was probably the best brisket I've ever had in my life. Um, the score didn't reflect that because of a little bit of foil, but we won't get into that. But yeah, I was ever since then, pretty much all I've cooked for competition is just Jack's Creek briskets. Jack's Creek, good tip, good tip. Now I've I have to ask you, you you did bring it up the foil. What happened there? Oh, 
lesson learned. New, new, I suppose what we call we were newbies back then. So what was that? That was only our second comp. Uh, wrapped the brisket in foil. Yada yada yada. Same old story. You know, same thing we do every time. Instead of taking it out of the foil fully, the slice that we sliced it in the foil, and there was a tiny speck of foil on the base of one of the slices. So instead of getting what have we got, we got appearance infraction. So we got all ones for appearance. Ouch. Which hurt because the rest of the scores were all really good. Mm. Right. Yeah, yeah. That that would just be heartbreaking after putting all that effort into a brisket. Oh, yeah, but it's one of those things, lesson learned. Um, since then, I've changed to the paper, so peach paper, so I won't have that issue any longer. Oh, okay. So is that the uh, the wrapping in peach paper, do you just do that to avoid getting the foil on the meat, or is there a, like any other reason for wrapping in peach paper? Uh, I like the peach paper. I think it's a little bit nicer on the briskets to work with, especially. Um, it's not... I suppose it doesn't really 100% fully seal, so it's not steaming the brisket, I guess you would call it. Um, I like it. I think, I think it's much better to work with. Plus, I use the peach paper for everything when it comes to cooking pretty much. So everything gets wrapped in it. Everything gets trimmed on it. Everything gets everything gets done on peach paper. So is it fair to say then that, um, that the peach paper preserves the bark? Uh, I, I think it does preserve it a, li- a little bit better. Like, like it's been quite a while since I've um, used foil to cook in anything pretty much. So I don't know. I suppose if I put more effort into using the foil and practicing it with, a, I suppose, a boat or a crutch, as someone would call it, um, it might work all right. But for me, the paper is what I use now. It seems to work okay. Nice, nice one. Yeah, the uh, the the peach paper seems to be picking up in in popularity uh, in in the scene here in Australia quite quite well. Um, it's definitely um, it's it's good value for money to get like a thousand feet for seventy dollars, and I've been using the same roll pretty much all year, and it's still got half it left. And I use it for literally everything. Wow, I didn't actually realise that it was that cheap. I'm that's uh, I'm I'm really impressed. Yeah. It's nice, not, I think it's $80 or something like that. Don't quite know it, but something along those lines. Wow, cool. Awesome. Okay, um, okay so do you use the, 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 the same recipes every time or do you like to mix it up in competitions? I'd say 99% of the time everything's the same. Um, I try not to deviate too far from what I know has been working well for me. Uh, in saying that, it also depends on where we're going to do a comp. Um you sort of got to look at the demographic a little bit. Uh, Creekside, we took a lot of spice out of our rub just because it's a country town. People probably haven't had a lot of barbecue in the past or a lot of super spicy food, I guess we'll call it. Uh, so we did mellow it down slightly. But other than that, in most of the comps, I have a set, I suppose it's not a set menu, but a set way that I make all my rubs and sauces or blend them together, I should say. Uh, and it just stays that way. Okay, yeah, that's a, it's a similar feedback to what I get a lot from my cooks. I uh, I lived in South Korea for two years, where everything is just loaded with red chili, and I actually can't can't get enough of it. I, I put it in everything, and uh, some yep. of the consistent feedback I get from uh, from other people that, that that come around to eat here, or uh, you know, um, people that I sample my my cooks on. 
a lot of the times I get told to back it off a bit. So yeah, well, my wife's not quite interesting. Not, doesn't, wife doesn't like a lot of spice. So when I do do a practice run at home, most of the time it's with less spice in it. So it, it, it's, it works well for me. It seems to be doing good so far. So do you use the same cuts then at, at every comp? For example, if you, uh, you know, do you always do chicken thighs? Do you always do beef ribs? Um, you know, do you, do, do you mix up your cuts with, but use the same sauces and, and rubs? How do you approach the cuts? Uh, pretty much for the first half of the year it was a lot of trial and error. Um, brisket's always been the same. It's just it, brisket's brisket. They're all, you know, very much similar things, you know. It's a slab of meat. It's got a flat. It's got a point. The way you the way you make it work is how well it's going to be. Things like lamb. Um, in the past, I was a little bit anti. Uh, what would you call it? Anti um, lamb cutlet, I guess. But after doing a trial run with them once and being super impressed, pretty much that's all I've cooked since. And. Same thing goes for um, chicken. So after judging at Gloucester this year, and I wouldn't say it was bad chicken. It's just that I'm not a dark chicken meat type person. I prefer white chicken meat. Uh, I've had enough chicken thighs and chicken legs to do me forever. So taking that on board, I've come home and then started playing around with chicken breasts, and they've been really good so far for me. So, so far, since changing from thighs to breasts, uh, I've picked up two second places so far. Very nice. Very nice. Plus, plus with chicken also doing a lot of work by myself, competing by myself, the breasts are a lot easier to, I suppose, prep. Absolutely. They're, they're quick, they're fast, they're easy. You know, there's no need to go scraping scraping skins for two hours, which really, you know, I never did anyway, but I wouldn't do because I just don't have the time or patience to do it. Seeing as we're making confessions, I don't do that either. <laughs> yeah, I, it's not high on my priority list at all. I'm sure, I'm sure people love doing it, but I don't know if they're real people. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Lucas Armstrong telling it like it is. <laughs> All righty. So how many times will you actually practice cook a dish before taking it to a competition? Uh, it does depend. Um, chicken's one of those things that you know, most people eat a lot, so that gets practiced a fair bit, I guess you'd call it. Uh, lamb every now and then. It just, it just depends on you know, what I'm doing, how much time I've got as well, uh, especially on the weekend, so. If I've got no time, I'll find something quick and fast to practice, so lamb or chicken. Um, if I've got tons of time, I've got nothing planned all weekend, I might do brisket. So it depends, but, yeah, it's just it's one of those things that just all comes down to time. And, yeah, especially, well, most of the time I cook, so I'm cooking for what we're going to have for dinner as well. So the wife wants chicken, I'll cook chicken. She wants lamb, I'll cook lamb. She wants beef, it's beef. Yeah, we're, we're a lot like that at our house too. And uh, as a result, I don't get to practice brisket a whole lot because brisket's not a, uh, not a real popular dish with, uh, with the wife and son. So, uh, yeah, brisket yeah. suffers a bit in terms of practice for me. Yeah. Oh, it's not too, oh, they're not too bad for me. It's more the time that, that it takes to do it. 
Um, uh, if it's old age kicking in, but I'd much rather be sleeping than up at four o'clock in the morning cooking a brisket. Yeah, I hear you on that. I definitely hear you on that. Yeah. All right. So for a first time competitor, is it more important to aim to have one dish consistently outstanding or to have all dishes consistently equal? So that is, is it better to have one killer dish and three or four good ones or have all of them be very good, but no particular standouts? A hero dish, I guess, is what I'm trying to describe. I think having a good average, I guess you would call it, is is probably the best thing to do. Having a great dish is always a nice thing to have. You know, you always get, you know, a little bit more uh, airtime, I guess you'd call it, if you have something that's really good that wins consistently. Uh, but other than that, yeah, trying to get everything equally as good is probably one of the hardest things you'll, you'll find that you'll be able to do in barbecue. It's also probably one of the better things to try and do. Mm, there's a good bit of a good bit of a tip there, hey? Very nice. So moving on to your smoker then, do you stick to one brand or do you cook on different brands and or types? No, pretty much I've just got the trailer, which is a 30-inch bullock head. Uh, other than that, I've got the, the ugly drum, which gets most of the weekend work, I guess you would call it, considering it, it's just so much easier uh, to use. Uh, it's less work. But other than that, that's all I have really. Oh, I've got a little grill as well, but that's that's literally all I use. Okay. You, you said that the UDS was um, was less work and, and got most of the weekend work uh, done on it. Um, why then, if I can be devil's advocate, why do you take the trailer to competitions if you do most of your cooking and you find it easier to use a UDS? I call it probably tradition, if anything. I'm very much a bit of a traditionalist, you know, wood, fire, cooked meat type thing. Um, I, I enjoy using the offset at comps. It's one of those things, you know, being up, well, just every hour having to get up, throw a log in it, keep it going. Just, It's probably more enjoyable. I think I get bored easily. Um, don't get me wrong, the UDS and – Everything else that it's along those lines of a smoker are great. Um, probably a little less fun and exciting, I guess. With the offset, you've got to be on your toes a little bit more. Uh, where the drum, you sort of, you know, you light it, you set the valves, you set the vents, and just chugs along at 250 for the next 10 hours. Fair enough. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Uh, okay, so just on that, on that same topic of uh, drums and offsets, do you do you pair a dish with a particular smoker? Do you find that a particular cut of meat responds better to a different type of smoker? Not particularly. You know, in honesty, I think as like from the the, the smokers I've got the, between the drum and the offset, I think the final product out of the offset is a lot nicer than the drum. Um, that's just my opinion. I know. People like sucking up or they use drums for everything and they kill everything, I guess. So they, they, they've got it dialed in. Um, for me, I, I think the offset's a better product, but the drum is a lot simpler. So I don't usually tend to favour one or the other, but it's, yeah. It also depends on how much time I've got. Okay. Yep. So if you've got the time to... Uh to tend to the fire, then you'll tend to the fire. Is that what you're saying? 
Yeah, if I've got a whole weekend free, nothing planned, nothing to do, I'm just cooking for the sake of it really, then I'll, I'll get the offset going. But it was one of those things where if I've got to go out or anything, it's definitely the drum. Light it, sort of forget it, come back, and it's still going fine. Very nice. Yeah, I I quite like the uh, I've got an upright smoker, a Pro Q Frontier, and I I love that for the same reason. I'll um I'll I'll, I'll throw a chunk of meat on at ten o'clock at night and go to bed, and then get up eight hours later at six o'clock in the morning, and uh, just restock the charcoal, and it just keeps going. Yeah, it, it's still manual labour. It's not like those what do they call them um, pellet ovens. They're 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 a bit less work again. They're for the really lazy people. Oh, that's okay. Them's just fighting words there. <laughs> All right, so moving on to fuels then, seeing as we've just um, we've just started uh, naturally discussing that anyway. When it comes to fuels, what do you use and why? <clears throat> uh, well, in the offset, I tend to use mainly Firebrand Lump and Oakwood. Oakwood, that's uh, interesting. Hey, now, most of the barbecuers that I talk to that use offsets prefer to use ironbark. Why do you go for oak over ironbark? Uh, for the simple fact, I, I like the oak. I like the smell it produces, um, the burn it has as well. It's a nice dense wood, so it does last a while. But everybody uses ironbark. So to try and not be everyone, I use oak. It's just something a little bit different. It might work in my favourite comp. It might be um, it might be my enemy of the comp. It's just one of those things where everyone where everyone uses oak um, ironbark. I try and be a bit different and use a different wood. Excellent. So it gives your gives your dishes a bit of a slightly different taste to everything else that the judges have ta- have tasted that day already. Well, that, that's the that's the the hope and the theory behind it. But yeah, I'm not sure if it's true or not, but. Yeah, I, I, I go with it, and that's that's sort of what I've always used and always done. In the in the drum, I usually just I tend to use um, the fiber and lump or the briquettes. Depends on how long I've got to do the cook for, um, and just use chunks of fruit woods, different sorts usually. What's your favourite um, chunk of fruit wood there? Um, a tree that has fruit on it. <laughs> so you're not fuzzy then. Oh, I am a little bit particular, but yeah, it's a tree that grows with fruit. I quite like to pair uh, apple wood with pork. Um, apple, apple and pork works well. Uh, I don't use a lot of apple though. I find plum gives a really nice colour too. I, I'm quite enjoying using uh, plum wood at the moment. Yeah, the plum. Uh, what did I use? Actually, Uncle Rod. Rod Duggan gave me a bag of, what was it? It was a nut of some description. I can't remember what it was, but that was um, probably macadamia. Was nice macadamia? Pecan. 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 Okay. Was, that was actually quite nice. I, I did like that. I haven't used it a lot, but I did like it. Yeah, I get all my stuff from Rod too. He's uh, he, He's got some great product there in terms of smoking woods. That's it. That's uh, Granddad Rod. My kids love him. Oh, right. Oh, he's, he, he's granddad yep. rod to the kids. That's awesome. Yep. <laughs> All right. So in terms of the overall comp cooking process, do you have a particular system that you always stick to and follow? For example, when you're cooking with a team, does one person always sleep at the start of the night and the other one always sleeps later? 
Um, most of the time, there's not much of a team, so it's usually just me sleeping when I get a chance. But uh, other than that, yeah, I, I do have a, a pretty much a set sort of plan. I don't have, I don't time anything or I don't write anything down. It's all just I know what to do, when to do it. So first up, as soon as it's time, as long as it's not hot and sunny and everything, I'll get the briskets out and I'll get them on their way. Um, other than that, once they're done, I will try and get some sleep somewhere, somehow, um, put the briskets on and then sort of gauge the rest of the night from there. There's no real set plan. Um, it all sort of just happens as it happens most of the time and it seems to be Working well, I don't rush myself, so I give myself pretty much the whole night to get chicken done, lamb done, whatever else. Like ribs trimmed and rubbed, they're probably slightly more time-consuming, I suppose, letting them, letting the rubs sit for a bit than the other ones. But other than that, yeah, it all just it sort of happens throughout the night. Very nice, very nice. So... On this topic of, you know, systems and systematizing things, what do you think of the idea of doing drills of a competition cook? So, for example, setting up a little one-team comp in your own backyard there and simulate cooking five or six dishes under full comp conditions. Do you ever do that? Never done it in my life. Um, I don't have the time pretty much. I don't have really – I don't have much interest in doing it. It's not something high on my priority list um, I'll, I'll practice one thing every now and then, but doing a full-on, full-blown cook um, is not one thing I'm really interested in doing or looking forward to doing. Uh, other than that, yeah, it's it's probably more that I've got to do a lot of it myself. Um, that is not that doesn't interest me a lot to do a full practice cook. I have to admit, it's something that I've always thought I should do. But it's nothing I've ever actually done. But I always think it would yeah. be good to do. Yeah, it's one of those things like you get your brisket on and then you're sort of just going to do nothing for a few hours, I guess. Like most comps, once my briskets are on, I'll, I'll go hang out, hang out somewhere, go for a wander, do, do nothing for a few hours anyway. But, yeah, doing that at home just it doesn't really interest me a lot. <clears throat> for me it's a bit of an energy thing too i find that um doing a full comp takes a lot of energy and so when i'm cooking at home i i, f- I find it hard to uh to summon the energy and the motivation to put myself through a whole comp cook yeah the, um, motivation <clears throat> definitely like if, if i'm at home and i'm cooking and i've got nothing to do i'm probably gonna go lay down and go to sleep <laughs> i'm not gonna be sitting up you know scraping chicken skin and <laughs> ribs <laughs> yeah me too me too all right so in your opinion then what is the most important key to consistency <clears throat> uh, practice is is one thing but <clears throat> getting a set sort of i guess you'd call it getting your rubs and sources set the way you want them uh practicing practicing rubs and sources like literally just <laughs> Staying home and mixing up different rubs and sauces until you you like the flavour and it sort of hits all the keynotes. That's probably one of the hardest things to do and probably one of the most important things to do. You can't, you can't see it, but I've got a cupboard just full of 
that I've practiced with that I don't use anymore. This segment is proudly sponsored by Coastline Barbecues and Heating. With stores in Oxenford, Southport and the Tweed, they are the Gold Coast's only Weber specialist. All right, Lucas, that brings us to our third segment of the interview. In this segment, we're going to be having some live questions from some live participants. And I've got three more who couldn't join us tonight. And I'm going to read their questions out to you. After you've answered the five questions, uh, you'll then need to pick uh, who you think should be the winner of our $25 Coastline Barbecues gift voucher, the sponsor of this segment. Big thanks to them for coming along to help us out. Good work, Coastline Barbecue. All righty. So we'll start off with Shane's question. Uh, Shane wants to know if you find it more rewarding competing by yourself compared to competing in teams of four where each member might be, say, in charge of a one protein each. Uh, I've never competed as a team of, well, more than two. So <laughs> even then I do it all pretty much on my own. Uh, I find Doing it by myself very rewarding. It's a bit more of a challenge. So when the end result does come in my favour, it is a lot more rewarding. The teams of four probably, I don't know, they might have it slightly easier, I guess, where you know, they've got one thing to concentrate on. Uh, when it goes well as a whole team, then great. But, yeah, I think by myself, definitely I prefer doing that way. Uh, the end result, a lot more rewarding. Very nice. All right, Jansen. Jansen would like to know how active are you at seeking sponsors and how has this helped you keep the cost of competition down? Um, definitely, I wouldn't say I was super active, but I'm always on the lookout for a sponsor. Yeah, everyone is, especially when you know, you're sort of looking into 2017, you've got 12-plus comps lined up already pretty much. But the expense in just entering those alone is a lot. Uh, travel, all you meet. Uh, I've got a lot of good sponsors now. I've got three really good ones. Firebrand, who support me really well with my charcoal. Uh, Jack's Creek, who give me yeah, much brisket as I need, pretty much. And Seventeen's uh, Barbecue in the States, who gives me as much sauce and rub and or anything else that I need that I'm out of that he can get his hands on in the States, he gets it for me. Excellent. Um, so all like combined, it does it does help. It doesn't sound like a lot really, but you know, if you're not spending four, five, six hundred dollars on brisket every comp over the year, that, that adds up really quick. Yeah, um, right. Even like my land guy who just he just does me a great deal on land. So yeah, it all it all helps at the end of the day. Um, Scotty East Blackstone Butchers, who never charges me full price for pretty much anything. So, yeah, it, it all helps at the end of the day. That's a hot tip right there. Find a butcher that never charges you full price for anything. Yeah, he, he charges me, but I know, you know he's, he, it's not full retail. So it, it all helps. You know, it's, it's a couple of dollars here, a couple of dollars here. After, you know, a year, it, it does add up. Absolutely, absolutely it does. All right, Jared would like to know, uh, what is your choice of fuel source in charcoal, heat beads and wood and why? And do you have a particular brand? Uh, it depends what smoker I'm using. Uh, the drum is definitely loaded with five-brand flump 90% of the time, I guess you'd call it. Occasionally it gets to the briquettes when I need a bit of a 
extended burn, I guess you'd call it. Uh, in the offset, it's pretty much – I do use a lot of charcoal, especially to get the offset going, so it does get a fair bit of charcoal through it. Plus, depending on what meat I'm cooking as well, um, if I'm not after smoke and just more the heat, I will load it right up with charcoal. But other than that, uh, it gets a lot of oak wood and charcoal mixed in, so it seems to work so far for me. Right. Okay. So, do you in your in your offset then? Do you use charcoal or wood as your uh, primary fuel? Primary fuel is definitely wood. Uh, the charcoal is there more for a heat source, not a smoke source. I guess you would call it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, but when it comes down to heat beads, not so much the brand, but heat beads type product in in general, um, I. Never use them. All righty. Okay, Daniel, I'm going to hand the mic over to you, mate, and you can uh, quiz Lucas. Go for it, mate. First of all, congrats on the uh, consistency in the last few wins, Lucas. Thank you, buddy. Nice bed. The uh, winning is often as you do, and people must ask you all the time about your sources and what flavours. You continually use. Just wondering, are there uh, some new products that you've been using out there that have turned up in the Roland Smoke Arsenal? Uh, last two comps, I've been using a few products from uh, Joy Homestead Lovers out of Adelaide. I think she is. I don't know exactly where she is, but South Australia somewhere. Uh, they've definitely, definitely helped me with what I've been doing. Um, Use two of her products in the Chef's Choice from Creekside and uh, they definitely worked well. Uh, that plus I used a couple of them at Creekside and oh, Creekside, sorry, at Wingham and uh, had some great results there in the little state cook-off as well. Uh, so as for new products, it's, they've definitely, definitely helped me expand my uh, flavour profile, I guess you would call it. I just heard you say surprise steak cook-off there. What was that about? Can you tell us a bit about that? Uh, the Smoking in the Valley comp at Wingham was sponsored by Wingham Beef Exports. So when we received our boxes of brisket, also had two sirloins in it. So that was our little surprise uh, steak challenge, which was quite it was great fun. It was um, something different, a little bit rushed, I guess you'd call it, um, Nobody was really expecting other that thing. I think nobody knew about it, which was also good fun. Uh, so, yeah, we just mixed up a bunch of stuff and put it in a bag and cryovacked it and yeah, stole some grill grates off the guys from Double Barrel and turned out pretty good. I think we scored a – there was no real scoring, I guess, over like, a, you know, official scoring, but we come eight out of all the teams for our state. Okay, and and how did you do it? Was it a straight grill, or did you sear or reverse sear? How did how did you uh, reverse seared it in the offset? I guess you'd call it. Um, so in that with that, that was a that was a, a um, prime example of where I was using a lot of charcoal and a little bit of wood. That so was more after the heat with just a little bit of wood. That was where I was using um, I was using the pecan from Rod with the five brand lump. Um, Seemed to have worked well. I did overcook it slightly, but other than that, yeah, it was a reverse seed and then on the grill grates in the, in the firebox, which was – I've never done it before, so it was a total learning curve, but it did work well. 
I haven't used grill grates personally, but I have heard very good things about them. I've heard uh, that they're just fantastic bits of kit. Uh, I don't know how they work or what they do, but they work. <laughs> it's magic. It, it's literally it's magic steel that makes your steak look great. Excellent. All right, Matthew, it's over to you, mate. What would you like to ask Lucas? Lucas, from from perspective of you being like you know a top tier competitor, um, what do you feel is? Uh, do you feel that you're an ambassador for the for low and slow? And um, I suppose, what do you feel would be the best way for us to to push the low and slow revolution? further down and expanded into the uh, the greater general public? Uh, I definitely wouldn't say ambassador, probably more like serial internet pest. Um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a hard one. It's probably not something that, you know, it's, it's probably more for someone uh, a bit more in the uh, public's limelight. Um, oh, where do I go with that? You've got me stumped on this one now. I, uh, as for expanding low and slow in general, I think the ABA does an absolutely stunning job at that. Uh, everybody there, pretty much everything they do is, is just barbecue-related. I know Adam, it's pretty much his full-time job now. Jay does put in a stellar effort, especially with meat stock, which is it's probably one of the primo events for getting low and slow out there into the public. You know, people come to those events because they want to see it. Excellent. Okay, so it's time now for you to uh, have a bit of a think about these five top questions that we've had tonight and uh, pick the winner of our sponsorship prize. Uh, I want pretty good Questions, and it's difficult to pick one, but probably have to go with Daniel's question, I think. That was probably the one I could answer the best, I think. That's why he'll get the prize. There you go, Daniel. Congratulations, mate. We'll get the uh, the gift voucher out to you very, very shortly. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome, mate. You've, you've done very well. Good work, buddy. Okay, Lucas, so for the final question before I let you go tonight, what would be your top three pieces of advice for new teams? Probably preparation. Getting everything prepared as best you can without going overboard. Um, you Literally, you don't need to pack your whole kitchen to go to a barbecue comp. You need the essentials pretty much. Um, but, yeah, getting everything ready. Sources, get everything ready. Rubs, have a more pre-made Whatever you've got to do to make life easy for yourself at the comp, the less work you do there, the better you're off you'll be. Okay, I'll turn the mic over to you now, Lucas, so you can give any shout-outs that, uh, that you'd like to, sponsors and whatnot, and also make sure you tell people how they can find you out there on the interwebs. Um, pretty much most of the time on Instagram, so rolling smoke underscore Lucas, so no G in the rolling. Uh, we've got to redneck it up as much as we can around here. Uh, that's where I put most of my stuff. So if it's anything sort of worth looking at, it goes up there. Facebook, I've got a Facebook page. It's not that interesting. It's more just for the sake of having one, I guess. Um, or the ABA page, I do put a lot of stuff on there, probably more than I need to. Um, other than that, I've got to say massive, massive thank you to my wife for letting me do this. She's probably 
my number one fan and supporter, and definitely without her, I definitely couldn't do it. Um, yeah, Shane, who helps me out yeah, every now and then at the comp, uh, he's just one of those guys that sort of knows what to do, he gets in and gets it done, doesn't have to ask questions. Um, he's awesome like that. You know, I wish I could have him more, but him living in Albury, it's not that easy for him. Um, Mark as well for helping me out, especially earlier in the year, and probably all my pretty much my sponsors. So Jack's Creek for the brisket definitely makes life so much easier having a good brisket on board. My brand definitely couldn't do it without Bobby and the whole team. Jesse Sevenson's barbecue in the states. Without him, I probably couldn't do any of this. Scotty, this Blackland Butcher is a great guy. He uh, helps me out wherever he can. Cryovax everything I need. Doesn't ask a question. Doesn't charge me for it, which is great as well. Uh, Dan, Mimosa Valley Lamb, Grinjelly Pork, not a sponsor or anything, but they do go sort of the extra mile to definitely definitely help me out and cut the ribs sort of the way that I want them. They'll, they'll, they, they hate me, but they also love me at the same time. Couldn't do any of this without the ABA. It's pretty much as simple as that. They're all awesome, except for Adam. It keeps beating me. And that's about it, buddy. Oh, I forgot Rowan, barbecue smokers. Um, again, always there to help me when it. If I need anything, sauce, a little bit of rub, anything, he's always there. Even if it's out of his own personal stash, he'll most of the time let me have it and not ask questions. That's excellent. That's fantastic. All right, well, thank you very much for your time tonight, Lucas. I know I, I certainly appreciate it, and all the people that have been live with us uh, on air tonight have uh, have certainly appreciated your time. And I just want to wish you best of luck for Kangaroo Valley next week. And uh, I'll, I'll have to thank catch you, up with you after the comp, and we'll do a follow-up to this interview because uh, I want to know how you go. Well, hopefully it's good news, and hopefully it's not a, a uh, repeat of Bangalore. No, no, I'd, I'd imagine not. I'd imagine not. All right, thank you very much, and... Have a lovely time down at Kangaroo Valley. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it, bud. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions. Confessions.